Hello, friends. Welcome to the Focus to Evolve podcast, where we uncover modalities, habits, and technologies that enable people, teams, and organizations to break the unhealthy trance of busyness and evolve into a calm, deliberate, and healthy way of accomplishing far more in less time. Hey friends, welcome back to the Focus to Evolve podcast. Jason Hinkle here, very excited to settle into another episode with you. Today, as usual, I pick subjects that I have personally dealt with and mostly conquered in my working career and in my life in general. I think I've said this before, and if you've ever been through any of my trainings or courses, you know for sure that I think that all of this experience is just life. I don't really buy into the whole work-life balance thing. It is indeed all just life. And work is one of the things that we do in life, along with a whole lot of other things. So the idea here is just to do all of it well. And that does relate to what we're going to be zipping into here today. Hope you enjoyed today's episode because I do run into this issue quite a bit on my engagements, especially when we get into the details of individual one-on-one coaching. This question of Does it all have to feel so gritty? (laughs) Now, some people would say that to life, and some people say that about work, and some say about everything. But we're talking about the ones today here at work, because quality of life and the feeling of, you know, being okay, and actually feeling good, never mind okay, but feeling good a lot of the time, or most of the time, at work well, that's an important subject. I mean, we spend so much of our lives at work. I don't know what the stats are, but it's a lot of our hours. The other hours, you know, we spend sleeping or with our relations or, or with ourselves recovering. You take sleep out and you take work out. Well, that, that doesn't leave a whole lot of the pie. So let's put back into this feeling cool and good and, you know, content is a good word. Let's feel content at work. That doesn't mean it's going to be, no, I'm not I'm not a primrose uh, glasses kind of guy, but I most certainly can bring in and advise on some things that helps us feel better at work. And probably on the on the, you know, anyone ever listening to this is somewhere on the spectrum. Some people are all the way of man, it's just gritty, hate my job, hate my work, wish I didn't have to do this at all. And then down, you know, some of you're going to hang up right now and say, I don't need this. I love my job. I love my work. Those are the ones that usually get up above the meta level and start realizing that emotions are things that come and go. And we have to learn to just surrender and adopt to them and respond to them in the most mature way possible. And that is a deliberate choice that usually requires us uh, to get up to the metacognition level to start getting into some things like meditation. Meditation's helped me tremendously in my life. I will do an episode on meditation and mindfulness and presence and the be here now thing, you know, Ram Das. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Let's go ahead and look at this though. So one thing to, to make work, the hours of work feel better, we really do have to address the foundational beliefs and assumptions that we are, for the most part, in the hardworking Western world, we do have these beliefs, and, and no one could ever deny these. I mean, most large companies, we have some that are getting pretty dynamic these days, but a lot of the large companies, I should say, they kind of look at burnout as a badge of honor. It's an unspoken thing. Nobody's ever proud of being the first out of the office and looking at the boss and like giving the, the wink and the nudge, all right, I'm out, first one out of the office. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We don't really need to waste too many more words on this. I guess it came from a hard work ethic through the industrial age. We're, we're now to a phase. This is all evolving interestingly because we now have so many unique technologies to leverage that will change that. 
And by the way, we're all not swinging hammers and and digging uh, tunnels with our hands anymore. All of it's kind of shifting, and we need to just have awareness of this, monitor it, respond maturely. I'm going to use that word again, respond maturely. But you don't necessarily have to be the one that bleeds the most to win the most anymore. Um, The right way is not necessarily the hard way. In fact, a lot of times the easier path is the more effective path. And one such example is something I've dedicated my life to, is when you allow yourself to recover profoundly, your output in those next rounds of work are way, way more profitable and more effective. And by the way, you get more done in less time, never minding being able to decipher what's busy work and what's meaningful work. Because a lot of us just go to that inbox and that's what we do next, or who's yelling at me the most, that's what I do next, instead of what's our strategic mission purpose-driven list of things to do. But we really do need to challenge the beliefs that burnout is a badge of honor and grittiest one wins. Uh, that, that did used to be more true. But now with leveraging technologies, it's so important to stay up on some of the new apps that are coming out, You know all these new large language models like ChatGPT and the interfaces on these and how they're starting to play with other apps and other technologies now. It's going to be just awesome and a little scary. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, every sword has two edges, (laughs) just like any powerful technology like nuclear weapons or nuclear power, clean power or a disastrous uh, tool of of war. That's the same with technology today. It's It's a statement that can be applied to just about any working environment. And I think it's important for us to just stay open to what's coming. Don't go down the all negative rabbit hole and don't go up the all positive stairwell either, because it's going to be a paradox. It's going to be both and, and it's going to be complex. And if you just pigeonhole yourself into one of those two camps that it's bad and the world's going to hell in a handbasket, well, then you're probably inviting some of that in and you're probably doing some neural pruning. It's called neural pruning. Once your assumption stack is established, you will look for those things in your environment to confirm your position. What I like to tell a lot of people is that our egos, mine included, I mean, all humans, our egos are meticulously designed to believe our own thoughts. (laughs) And until you challenge it, and that can be a really strange journey, it can kind of rule your life. Like Carl Jung says, one of my favorite quotes from him says, until the unconscious is made conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. So this little invisible pilot that's running us, um, our unconscious or our assumption stacks or what what a lot of the neuroscientists call it, uh, they really are running 90% of our decisions. And it's by design. We're, we're really cool machines, us humans, where we can go on autopilot and we do most of our days. Joe Dispenza talks about us having like... 70 or 90,000 thoughts a day and uh, well north of 90% of them are already chosen by our assumptions and our beliefs. And then the, the last piece of the little 10%, well, that's that's the stuff we think we're, there, we're making decisions on. So we are heavily influenced by our beliefs and developing that muscle of being able to analyze your own belief structures and realize that you're actually the selector of your beliefs. It's a powerful thing to do, but it really does require you to 
engineer in stillness into your day. You know, all the world's religions, all the ascended masters, all the spiritual leaders of all ages, uh, going back to from Lao Tzu to, you know, the Buddha to Jesus Christ to Muhammad. I mean, you, you can just keep on going and going. They all talk about, you know, how important it is to get to stillness and hear truth. Well, you know, this, this is probably uh, has a lot to do with what they're talking about right here. So um, us humans have been working on this issue for a long, long time. And when it comes to feeling gritty at work, well, that's just another belief. So analyze it. Ask yourself, does it serve me anymore? Does it need to protect me in that way anymore? And is it time for me to uh, evolve on out of that? And I would invite you to do the latter. Evolve on out of that. Some of it's going to be gritty. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go that route, but some of it's going to be gritty. Most of it doesn't have to be. Just be open to the possibility that... Uh, more of this could be easier. So we're not looking for perfection here, right? Just more of it could be. And this idea of it not having to be gritty, it's successful people think this too. A lot of successful people. And in saying this, I'm reminded about Warren Buffett. He was quoted, he said that it feels like, he said these words, he said, it feels like our work is bordering on lethargy and almost sloth. <laughs> Can you believe that? Those folks are successful, but they have their processes so nailed down and they've eliminated so much of the clutter work that other, in air quotes here, busy people would be working on. They just work on the essential. They only cut at the root. And what that leaves is this quiet, zen-like room where they do their strategy, they do their checklists, they do their processes, and it, it doesn't feel like sprinting around with your, you know, your hair on fire. Uh, that, that whole frantic show is, it just has to go. It's ineffective, it's unhealthy, it's unprofitable, it's exhausting, and it's burning everybody out. Have the courage. Be the one that kind of starts shifting that. Let Warren Buffett, with his lethargy bordering on sloth statement, uh, be your, your guiding light on that. Like There's one of the world's most successful people in his trade, and you can be as well. We'll be right back after this brief message. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Welcome back to the Focus to Evolve podcast. So let's talk about a couple things here that can help to get us to this feeling of work not feeling quite so gritty and maybe getting a little bit more quality of life back at your work and during your work hours or whenever you work. It doesn't have to be work hours, just whenever you work. So the first one I want to talk about is, it's an easy one, it's an obvious one, and I kind of already touched on it, is Get into leveraging technology more. And I'm, I'm specifically talking about real simple, low-hanging fruit stuff that we all have access to. 
Have you been on the app store lately? Have you Googled some of the more interesting productivity apps on the app stores lately? I'll just give you a couple examples here. Speechify. That is a fantastic app. I rarely read any of my long emails. If I get an email from a customer, from my father-in-law, from anyone who tends to send me those ultra-lengthy emails or emails with attachments uh, with the, the, like the 20-page PDF white paper that, they, that I just have to read or the article to the Washington Post or something where it's, you know, they're not tiny articles. Well, no problem. I just pick up my phone and I push Speechify and boom, that thing's being read to me when I'm driving now or when I'm, you know, doing something else, not when I'm working because that can eat up huge chunks of time. And by the way, those are important people in my life, so I want to respond to them. Oh, meaningfully, I want to actually have processed their article that they felt that would, uh, you know, positively impact me and my work. Speechify, look that up. It's fantastic. You can even pick like Gwyneth Paltrow or Snoop Dogg, or you can pick different voices to read your stuff to you. And I'm talking anything. It reads web pages. It reads PDF documents. It reads emails, cut and pastes from anything that you bring into the app. A little bonus material on that Speechify or any of these apps. There are several of them out there. I'm a user of Speechify. I'm not affiliated with them in any way, but they are a major contributive variable in my own effectiveness, doing more meaningful things in less time. When I do listen to articles on Speechify, I've trained my brain to now be able to listen at roughly 2.5 speed. And there is a process to doing that. Don't just, you know, push listen and try it at 2.5 speed. You'll you'll just throw the phone against the wall and, and curse me for the rest of your life. Uh, you start at 1.5 speed within about two hours to one week, depending just on how your neural connectivity works. It's actually called dendritic arborization. <laughs> that's, that's how your neural networks ramp up and learn new processes and ways of doing things. If you can start right off the bat at two times speed and pretty much be understanding everything, then you're probably one of the luckier ones that can get up to three and a half or even four times speed. Not me. I tap out at about 2.5 speed. One of our uh, trainers here at Focus to Evolve, Tana, hi Tana, she does regularly 3.5 speeds. So she's just got that amazing, gorgeous, awesome brain that can do that. I don't. But 2.5 speed is still listening to a lot of long format podcasts and different things that I normally wouldn't. By the way, same with Audible. Same with Libby, if you use that. Libby is another app. It's a free app that utilizes the library networks. So you pretty much get any book, almost any book you want to read for free. L-I-B-B-Y, I think, Libby. Put your library card number in there and then you get access to all these books. At least try to double the speed on a lot of your books. Again, you're getting the same thing done, less time. If it's leisurely, don't do that. You know, if you're, if you're listening to a great, uh, fiction book and you're doing it for pure pleasure, don't two times speed it unless you really want to. I've talked about chat GPT ad nauseum, but I'll go ahead and mention it again. You gotta start using it. Just go to chat GPT. Just Google it, click on it, and just put in your first prompt. Just ask chat what you would ask an oracle that knows all things and get up to the meta level too. Say, GPT, Pretend like I'm a 10-year-old and tell me what the 10 questions should be that I should ask you that would help me to understand the world the most. Or you can ask it to 
tell you what questions to ask it. And this is for your own field as well. Whatever work you do, if you want to be a better communicator, if you want to work with your, uh, you know, your son who's going through a hard time because of a breakup, if you're having family troubles, if you, you need to reword a communication differently, just cut and paste it in there and say, hey, make this more professional but still friendly. I would highly recommend that you start using this as a habit. Almost put it on your task list for every day, just one time a day. Just start you know, building this muscle of chat GPT use. Um, prompt management and putting the right prompts in, that's where all the gold lies. But you can just put in common sense stuff too and you'll be surprised. And since it's in chat form, you can ask follow-up questions and go down all kinds of fun rabbit holes. So leverage more technology. That makes it more fun. It makes things happen quicker. The real gritty stuff, like trying to write that perfect email, use GPT for it. You can be done with a 45-minute attempt in 15 minutes doing that. And I do it on the regular. So second thing that I would recommend is get more no in your life. You know, kind of exercise that muscle. We don't do everything we just need to be doing the right things. Those are two different lists, our inbox and our strategic task list, which should be a separate thing and away from inbox. Two very separate things, but it does require you to decipher. And that requires you to say no to some things or to delegate some things. You know, there are a lot of people on the line here today that could use some serious delegation skills on some things that are draining all their enemy or enemy, all their energy and leaving them for their main tasks kind of kind of like a, you know, dwindled piece of charcoal. So try to outsource more often. One company that I like to use and have used several times throughout the years as projects and programs have been needed is called Time Etc. I am not affiliated, but if you don't know about Time Etc, just, I think it's timeetc.com or just Google Time ETC, and it'll come up. Their virtual assistants actually have to pass the Richard Branson executive secretary test. So it's legit. I mean, they are good. I was surprised how fast they picked up on the things I needed them to do. You pay them just for the work they do. You don't have to worry about hiring, firing. It's, it's really cool. So you can delegate way more stuff if you start getting good at that. Feel free to reach out to me if you have questions about my experience on that. Define when done is done in your day. Because there's nothing grittier than the never-ending infinite load. <laughs> and that's what email is, by the way. So when you wake up in the morning or the night before is actually when I suggest it, you really look at that day that's coming and you say, if I did everything that is listed out there for tomorrow, would that be a fantastic day? It's usually yes. Like, So good, do that and then stop whether that be stopping at 4 p.m. or stopping at 8 p.m. or working till 11.30 at night. You know, you may really just love long hours. Hey, know thyself. Put a definition around it, and then when you're done, be masterfully done. Don't allow scope creep into your day. I'm, I'm reminded of a story where two construction workers were out by their truck. At lunch bell rings. It's Bob and John, and Bob opens his lunch tray and just disgusted. God, I can't believe it. I, Another ham sandwich. I'm totally sick of it. Every single day, ham sandwiches. So John says, well, why don't you just, you know, ask your wife to pack you a different one? And he goes, ah, it's, my wife doesn't pack it. I do. <laughs> and so, you know, in, in our working life, we're kind of like that. We're packing our own lunch. We're packing our own tomorrow. And we just keep complaining about it. Well, 
pack a different lunch. So it's, I think it's a fun little anecdotal story there. But know when done is done. Clearly, proactively decide it and don't allow scope creep. Once you've accomplished it, you've paid your company. You've made the money. You have done the the proverbial drip that's going to carve the Grand Canyon. And now put it away. Now rest, recover. And that's leads me to the fourth one that I would recommend is Let's all get way, way better at rest and recovery cycles. I'm not just talking about sleep hygiene. That's a big one. But I'm talking about throughout the day, little three-minute, six-minute, ten-minute breaks where you just lean back in your seat, close your eyes because your visual cortex takes all kinds of cognitive energy. So close your eyes. Take those deep breaths, just three, five, six, ten of those deep breaths in and out, and then just stop breathing and go real slowly with your breath and start feeling your heartbeat. Your vagal toning will happen and you'll come back to center. You'll recenter in homeostasis. All those chemical levels will start leveling out. Your neurochemicals will level out. Your vibrational frequency kind of comes on down and you will feel really good when you come out fighting in the next round. So about once every two hours, one and a half hours to two hours is what the ultradian rhythm is. You should actually be doing it that often. But if you can only get one break in the mid-morning and one break in the afternoon, that is way better than none. So definitely get really good at that. That's important stuff. The last thing I'll suggest, actually there might be two more. Take a quick pause and say, wait a minute, am I cutting at the leaves here? Because the leaves will grow right back. Or am I actually chopping at the root here? Everyone's heard this analogy, but it's so important because, man, once you cut that root down, those leaves are gone for good. One example I'll give is, like, if I write a really good email that somebody asks me a question that I do hear from time to time and I find myself rewriting this same darn communication, what I do now instead is I utilize this really cool technique that we train people on where you use autocorrect in Outlook to instantly, like in a three key tap, posts that draft for you right there on the screen. I just modified a little bit and push send. That's a 15 minute situation down to way less than two minutes. And it is awesome. That's an example where I cut at the root. Yeah, it took a couple of minutes to cut at the root on that first one, but I've probably written 200 emails or did not have to write 200 emails that I would have if I would not have chopped at that root. I would have just kept slinging at those leaves. Get up to what you heard that word earlier, the metacognition level, where you start thinking about your thoughts. You are the selector of your thoughts, your beliefs, your habits. And then last, the last suggestion I'll give, and it's one that really helped me a lot visually. When I go into working bursts, we call them bursts, I do it ceremonially, quite literally. Now, not every time, but most of the time. You know, I have it all set up. I've got my exact music. I've got the seat the way I want it. I have my drink posted right there. You know, I go in there and it's kind of like I'm, I'm entering a little bit of a shrine here. And it's quiet time. It's time for just one thing at a time. Just having that intention going in, kind of thinking of your work more of ceremony. And don't worry, I'm not overlapping into any kind of, you know, religious thing here. Ceremony or ritual is basically just remembering to remember. So whenever you hear ceremony or ritual used, that's, that's really the essence of what it is. So when you go into your work, you want to remember to be present-minded, to be deeply focused, to be not distracted. Have the intention of doing this work 
as a craft person, really bring it to the next level. And just having that intention, again, starts that neural pruning. And that's exactly what draws on in. This law of attraction thing, it's not fake. Uh, There are real neurological reasons that things that we intend for do tend to come our way. We can actually watch it in fMRI scans, how it kind of works. It's actually a brain filtration system, and it's awesome. There's some magic that we still don't understand around it all, being that consciousness just might be substrate independent, and we're not sure where thoughts kind of reside. (laughs) They seem to move around as we scan our brains thinking about same things. So it's a weird thing, but a lot of it is in our control. And if we, you know, handle work, if we look at work, little sessions of work throughout the day is kind of like deep focus ceremony time. And you just handle it with that much reverence, that much focus and protection. It'll feel a lot less gritty. It'll feel a lot less uh, painful, especially when it gets heavy. You got to exercise this more and more, the bigger the workload. There we have it, ladies and gentlemen. It has been fun discussing these things with you. If any of these things resonate with you and you want to go deeper, we would love to hear from you. This is what we've dedicated our life to. So there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another transmission of the Focus to Evolve podcast has been completed, and I can't wait to see you on the next one. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to our producing director, Bridget Coyne, and audio engineer, Ian Douglas. I'm your host, Jason Hinkle, thanking you for tuning in today and inviting you to like and subscribe to this podcast. Also, if you think this may help others in your personal or professional network, please share today's episode. Until next time, I wish you a calm, deliberate, and authentic week ahead. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.